0: Let's first celebrate the Atlanta Braves, because we haven't haven't done that yet. Chop on, Uh, baby. World Series champion. I mean, you're a big Atlanta fan.
1: I was there in 1969 when they won the division to go go play the – I was there with my granddad and my uncle. That's Uh, incredible. So you said, wow,
2: that's incredible. First thing I thought was,
1: wow, you're old. (laughs) (laughs) I am old. But I, I, I will tell you this, Coach, you're in between the two of us. There, there is something, it's easy, even as I listen to you guys talk about your heart with this, I told my daughter the other day, I said, I really miss my 30-year-old body. <laughs> but I do. I miss the heck out of it. But I would not trade my 60-year-old mind and soul for my 30-year-old body. And it's, Amen. it's the, you know, that's one of the advantages maybe I have is as you get older, it's not so much emotion and adrenaline. Is is you sit there and look at life and you realize, man, that's not worth chasing or that's not worth fighting about. And so there's a wisdom mm. that 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 comes, you know, and it, it, even these issues here of parenthood and for for people listening, you like, my dad was married six times. My dad left very young in life, had seven thousand affairs. I mean, so it wasn't like I had an example of a good father. It wasn't like I had an example of a good marriage, but, and for people listening, if that's your case, that does not mean that you can't thrive at this. You know, and and, in my case, I looked at it and said, I learned so much what not to do instead Mm -hmm. of what to do, but The way I felt as a little kid, and it doesn't matter what your parents say when they split up, no matter what they say, as a child, you feel like I wasn't worth sticking around for. I wasn't Mm -hmm. enough. And is that the reason I'm a comedian? I don't know. Um, I don't know the psychology behind that. And so, but for me, I decided as a kid, I'm never leaving Mm. And and then I get a job that takes me on the road all the time, which makes it a challenge. But from a very early age, it was a priority in my life. My brother, you know, he's got a 30-something-plus marriage. I've been married 36 years. Mm. It's so—I just want to— you know, send some hope out there for people that don't come from this. That doesn't mean you can't succeed Mm -hmm. at this.
0: What about your mom? What role
1: did she play in in your upbringing? Yeah, my parents were so different. My mom sung in the choir. My mom went to church five times a week. You know, doesn't doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't cuss. I mean, straight, straight arrow. My dad drank, smoked, cussed, chased women. Um, My dad was actually a deacon in the church. My dad used Mm. to go uh, minister to guys in prison. And then something happened, and he just fell off the wagon and started chasing women. But for my dad, my dad was five years old, and his dad went out to get a pack of cigarettes. And it's like the story, never came back. Mm. Never came back. They didn't know where he was. They found him 20 years later in another state, had another mm. family. And so you look. So I look at my dad. I don't even have any animosity towards him i'm like Dad, it, dude you got messed up real early in life what message does that send to you when your dad leaves and doesn't even bother to contact you just leaves and so you know i i think my dad did the best he could i think love was a weird thing for him so why didn't that happen to you though because i knew what it felt like I knew what it felt, and I knew what I wanted from a dad. And, and my dad loved me. My dad loved me the best that he could. But for me, I needed. You know, it's it's like sometimes we get in these cliche catchphrases like "quality time." I spent quality time. There's no such thing as quality time. That's bull. I would have much rather my dad. Been there every day, any kind of time. Then to come into town every three weeks and let's go to Six Flags. I, I mean, I I just wanted him there, and so, I mean, it sounds hokey. I kind of made God my dad because I needed somebody to be there all the time, and I, I mm. needed somebody to appreciate the the skills and the good qualities I had, and somebody to discipline me on the areas of weakness, and somebody that just loved me unconditionally. So, I made God my daddy. Mm. You know.
0: That's fascinating you say that. We have a men's discipleship group on Tuesday nights, and the guys will stand up, and we get a different guy to share their testimony every Tuesday night. And so many of the guys didn't have fathers growing up, and God has become their father. And that intimate relationship with the heavenly father is completely I don't know if that drew them into a relationship with Christ because they, they were missing that in their lives.
1: I, I will tell you why I reached out to David to do this. For 12 years on Tuesday mornings, I get up at 5 o'clock and go down to the Atlanta Mission and do small group Bible study with homeless guys. And, and you sit there. The first guy I ever met down there, 21-year-old white kid in the middle of the inner city and living in a homeless shelter, my first thought is, get a job, dude. What the heck hmm. are you doing? I sat down with him at the lunch table, and I love to know people's stories. And I said, Jason, what's your story? He said, well, it was me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. He said, when I was 11 years old, my mom killed herself. He said, two years later, my brother killed himself. Then it was just me and my dad in my second year of college, my dad killed himself. He said, I just got to the point, I couldn't hurt anymore. So I started getting high, started smoking crack. And I'm sitting there going, I would have have started smoking crack too. And so what you find, people go, why does somebody end up homeless? What what happens is, I I swear to you, 90% of the time, there's some hurt that people cannot deal with, so they start numbing to it, either through alcohol or drugs. They start getting high. Well, when you get high... You can't hold a job. When you can't hold a job, you can't pay your rent. Then you start stealing from your family, and that's how you end up on the street. So what I found very early on in these small groups was almost every one of these guys had some horrible hurt as a child, and the vast majority of them, it was father-related. It was that they needed something from a father that they didn't get, and it hurt so bad that they had to numb to it. And so that's why when I heard – David doing this I'm like man I want to come down and talk about this because I'm seeing it I'm seeing the way it plays out years down the road and so how do you now tell them about your story and tell them about how who your father is how do you take that with them you know what is funny like every single year I I started off in Luke 15 I I think the greatest piece of literature Mm -hmm. ever written is couple of paragraphs in Luke and it's the story of the prodigal son. And I don't know why we call it the prodigal son because really what it's about is the father. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because this was one of the last parables jesus shared before he died so it had to be important he had to knew his time was getting close but when he talks about having one son that stayed there and did everything right and one son that did everything wrong so when the younger son goes to the dad and says i want my inheritance in the eastern culture what that was saying was i wish you were dead you're not dying fast enough to to satisfy me i want my money and instead of going you know, the heck with you. The dad gives it to him, and and the kid goes off. And you go read the story and blows it all. And you know, on wine, women, and song, and and ends up broke, and ends up feeding pigs, and wishing he could eat what the pigs were eating. And he decides, you know what, I'm uh, I'm going to go home because I know the way my dad treats the hired workers on on the family farm, and I'm, I'm just going to beg for a job there. And and I love the part of the story where. It said, and when he was still a long way away, the father saw him. You don't accidentally see somebody a long way away. You're looking for him. You're looking Mm -hmm. for him. And so that was that father's heart. That was that father's heart. Man, as he's walking out that front door and standing there on the porch and just scanning the horizon every day, waiting on his boy to come back. And when he comes back, he doesn't berate him. he he, he, He says, hey, go get the robe the ring and the sandals, the sandals indicate you don't work for me. You're family. It's the family crest. It's the rope. He says, go kill the f- the fatted calf. We're having the fatted calf was the one person, not happy to see the sun come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and they celebrate because the son that was lost is found you know, he was dead. Now he's now alive. Well, the brother that stayed at home and did everything right, He's it, he's mad because he's like, you never killed the fatted cat for me. And the dad says, dude, everything I've got is yours. Everything I've got. But my son that was dead is 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 now alive. And as we listen to the story, you know, the focus is on the son that did everything bad. I think for us, even as Christians, a lot of times we're the son that mm-hmm. stayed. We're the son that just tried to perform and do everything right so dad will love me more. And so this story is about the father. It's like you can't do enough bad to make me love you any less. You, there's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. And you can't do anything good to make me love you anymore. And to me, that is the story of God. That's the story of the fatherhood of God. He just Loves you. It's it's who he is, and when that sinks in, man, you just want to. Man, I get choked up just talking about that, because that's all I want. I want somebody to love me like that. That when I screw up, you still love me. When I do good, you love me, but you don't love me anymore. You just love me. And 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 if that message ever sinks in to my guys in the small group then they've got a chance to break out of addiction, and they got a chance to get their lives back, and a ton of them do it.
0: That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible.
1: Greatest piece of literature ever written.
0: There was a time I wanted to change the name of our church to the prodigal church, because I feel like we're just a bunch of prodigals. And you have both of those people in the church. You have the rebellious people who've come home, and then you have the the legalistic Pharisees who kind of are trying to earn their way, or they think they're better than other people. And
2: And, and you know what I think about for right now, and this is seasons of life. And you talked about being your age, your age, I mean, seasons of life. I also think about, could I be the dad? Like, that's what I think. I think about if my son did that, if my daughter did that, and we're all, we've all experienced trials with, with our kids Mm -hmm. and hurt with our kids. And I, you know, I know mine are 13 11 more is coming. Like we just had a situation with my son with, we had a lot of disappointment in him. And I know more disappointment is coming. I told my wife that like more disappointment is coming. I want to know if I can be that dad. Like that's, can I, can I love them unconditionally and not go, oh, wait, 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 but you left. You know, I, I, I would, I would hope so. But that challenges me and my soul to say, you know, how do how are you as a dad? Do you forgive? You know, cause obviously, well, are we going to offer the same grace we take every single day from, from
0: God? I mean, we take it every day, but. Well, I think that's, that's the goal of this podcast is inspiring people, inspiring the dads to be that kind of dad and inspiring the moms to be those kind of moms and, And, uh, you know, when the, when the kids, there's no guarantees with our kids. We've had, we've had people in our church, uh, think of one of my best friends. He had four kids. He has four kids, raised them all in the same home, raised them all in church. And and one of them is just the, the prodigal child, the rebellion, the on drugs, having a child out of wedlock. And then he's got three that are, that are like, you know, perfect kids, so to speak, or, and he struggles over, over that one. It's like, you can do everything right, and your kid could still rebel i mean children- children have a mind of their own
1: they do and and it's I've heard it said as a parent you're only as good as your child that's doing the worst you know when you lay down at night mm-hmm. that's that's what he's thinking about as a dad he's thinking about that one kid um and that is the challenge for it and, and and I've even thought philosophically why did God even allow us to have kids? I mean, he created Adam and Eve. He could have been content with Adam and Eve. That was his, could have been his relational pleasure, but he, he enabled us to have kids. And I think he allowed us to have kids. So we got a small glimpse into the way he feels about us Mm. because your spouse could do something to where you didn't love them anymore. Now I don't care how much you love your spouse. They could go off on a bender to the point you go, I'm done, I'm I'm done, but your kid can't. Your kid's still your kid, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's a different relationship. It's a different kind yeah. of love.
0: There's so many parallels to our relationship with God, yes, and then our relationship with our kids. Yeah, and I explain to people all the time that like a relationship with God. If you have that relationship, you know Jesus personally, and you're you're a Christian. Your 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 relationship doesn't change. He's always your father. You're always his son. Now your fellowship changes because when we sin, we break that fellowship with God, and we have to confess it. Now, my son, Joel, who who's sitting over here, he's always going to be my son. Now he may we may have a broken relationship, a bro- broken fellowship, but he's always going to be my son, no matter no matter
1: what he does. Sure. Can I steer it for a minute? You can I, um, drive it, bro. We, we- uh, so-, <laughs> so don't crash it. <laughs> So a few years ago, I'm doing an interview, and the lady asked me a question. She said, okay, you do stand-up, you write books, you host TV shows, you do voiceovers. Which one are you? And I thought, well, that's an interesting question. Nobody's ever put it that way. And I said to her, I said, well, all of those are things that I do, and I love what I do. I think I was – I don't know why I can do it. I don't know why – you know, you can play football, and I don't know why. If you say to me, Write 20 jokes about Thanksgiving, I could just sit down and do it. I can, I don't know why I could do it. It's totally God, it's a gift. Yeah. So I said, All of those are things that I do, and I love what I do, and I think I'm probably doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But who I am is I'm a child of God, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother. I'm a person in this community. I said, so through the course of my life, what I do may change multiple times. But hopefully who I am stays consistent. And I think, especially for men, that's something we really struggle with. So much of our identity is in what we do. Mm -hmm. And you think about when you ask a little kid, if you ask a little girl, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to be a mom. That's a totally acceptable and cool answer. How many little boys have you ever said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And had them say, I want to be a dad. I want to be a father. They don't. They, I want, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a football player. I want to be a best. So somewhere culturally we've wired it that way where it's okay for, for a girl to want to be a mom, but a, but a little boy never thinks about being a dad. And it goes back to our identity. And, and, and for me, it went back to my priorities. Like, I knew what it felt like not to have a dad. So even though I had a job that took me to a different city every night, and that's kind of the struggle. I mean, you know this with what you do. Um, I spent 15 years, I would rent a plane. And say I had a show in St. Louis on Friday night, I would fly to St. Louis, I would do the show, but it, and I would do everything I needed to do before it, meet people, take pictures, sign stuff, whatever. But as soon as I walked off stage, I Go walked on. out the back door, and I got back on that plane, and I flew home. I may not get home till 2, 2.30 in the morning, but Saturday morning, I got up, and I went to soccer games, or I went to softball games, or I went to basketball games. And then that afternoon, I'd get back on the plane, and I'd fly to Minneapolis and do a show. And for 15 years, and I look back and I go, when did I sleep? I learned to sleep on a plane, but I spent a fortune doing that, but it gave me 100 more days a year with my kids because they were the priority. So even though I'm a comedian, even though I'm on TV, or even though I'm right, my identity and my priority was to be a dad. And one of the ways— You'd be a great dad, and you and I have hit on this a little bit. I had all girls, and so I wanted to love their mother in such a way that I set a high standard for any guy that they were going to go after. I mean, I've been married 36 years, and most Tell of the flowers. time— Tell me about the flowers. I, I buy my wife flowers every single week. Rainy gets flowers every week. Every week. Every single Every week. Every single week, I get my wife what flowers. What kind of flowers? She likes— um, iris is the best but i I mean whatever she i mean it's whatever's pretty but i buy her flyers every single week Mm. um i take her on a date i treat her like she's my girlfriend and so my girl's watching that growing up you know and and i like like i've been married 36 years i still open the car door for her in the garage when nobody's there to see it and when we get there, I get out and I open her door. Well, my son-in-law, you know, the first time he's doesn't do that, I go, you know, it says a lot to her if you just go around and open that door. Let's her know how important she is. He does it, you know. So, but I think as a parent, whether you're a wife or a husband, that that relationship you have in your marriage, I, I don't know anybody that has a great marriage that isn't a great parent. You know, and what I did, I didn't have an example of a great dad. So I started looking around and go, Oh, that guy's a great dad. So as I got older, that's, that's whose head I went and picked. I went and looked at guys that were great dads and said, tell me what I need to know about being a dad. What do I not know that I need to know? What do I need to know about having a great marriage? Go pick somebody's head. I mean, I would imagine you do that in ball. When you see a guy that's got to move, you don't have, you go over and go dude, teach me how to do that. And, and nowadays
2: we have So much access to podcasts and info. Like you have Mm -hmm. access to more information than ever. Like if you want to be an expert on something, there's not an excuse.
1: Well, there's not an excuse. You can learn anything you want to know. on Anything. Anything. But it's also looking around and going. You know, like I always told my kids. I said, you look around in life and you look at somebody and you go, I want my life to look like that. I want, I said, I guarantee you, whoever you pick, they're not a self-centered person. They're an other centered person. But you look at your aunt, Mm -hmm. your uncle, your cousin, the guy down the street, and you go, Oh, I want that guy's knows he's got it figured out. He's he knows how to live a good life, or she knows how to live a good life. Guarantee you, they're they're not self focused. That's one of the keys to life is not being Mm -hmm. a self. I don't know a self focused person that is a happy person. Everybody I know that's that has a degree of contentment, they're others focused. So we've talked about this before, but talk about. So you
2: talked about that. That's what you did with your kids, but obviously your kids grow up, your kids leave, and now you know it's you and Randy, but you're doing tours. And talk about, I mean, you've talked about this, and I think this is awesome. The group goes out and does its own thing. What
1: would Jeff do? Well, like when we were doing the Blue Collar Tour, like the guy, we'd get through with it, and the guy was like, come on, Fox, let's go have a beer or whatever. I don't think a beer is going to send you to hell. I don't uh, 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 uh. It, alcohol has just never really been my thing. I'm, it just didn't do it for me, but here's what I knew about me. And here's what I came from. Drugs never did it for me. Alcohol didn't do it for me, but I appreciate a good looking girl. And I knew if I went in there and had a beer and we were sitting around having fun and I might have another one. And then if somebody pretty that smelled good sat down next to me, I knew what I was vulnerable to. But here's the thing about trust You gain trust, whether it's with your kid, with your spouse, with your friends. You gain it a drop at a time. One drop in the cup, one drop in the cup, one drop in the cup. You lose it all at once. Once Mm. you break trust, you empty that cup.
2: I've never heard that. I love that.
1: And I knew... I knew what I was vulnerable to. And so I would say, you know what? I'm just going to go to the room. I'm going to call home the order room service. Come on, you fuddy-duddy. I'm like, no, I'm actually not being a fuddy-duddy. I'm, I'm being wise because I'm not going to walk into a place that I'm going to, A, break that trust with my wife and, B, break that trust with my kids. And, and I'm telling you, when you break that trust with your kids, it's never the same. It's like you break that porcelain bowl, you might glue it back together, but it doesn't look the same. And so... You uh, are you are dropping some incredible... Isn't that wisdom. awesome? Yeah. As we talk, we talk a lot
0: on the podcast about boundaries and yeah. I've always applied, I have strong convictions about not drinking, but I also have, I call it the Billy Graham rule and, and Billy Graham is an amazing example of, of course, the impact that he's had, but... But if you just look at his character and his example, but Billy Graham would never put himself in a in a room or in an opportunity with someone of the opposite sex alone with someone. So he wouldn't ride in an elevator with someone alone. He wouldn't obviously. Well, an ride ele- a elevator,
1: car. you, know? you got to be pretty fast to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that's, but that seems aggressive. His but standard was so high. Yeah. You know, like before he got into a hotel room, they would go in there and take the TV out. They would. I mean, they would take the TV really? out. Of the, oh yeah, they would. Wow. Yeah, he had some really strong predictions. But I think the boundary, the reason you set those boundaries, like you said, this, not that you were against going out and having a beer with your buddies, but it was like, what could that lead
1: to? Well, I knew what I was vulnerable to. Mm-hmm. Just be wise. Don't put yourself mm-hmm. in an environment where you could break that trust. And, I'm, I'm, and And so when I'm saying that, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I'm imperfect. I'm vulnerable mm-hmm. to this. And so... Avoided at all cost, and and I look back, I'm so thankful that I had a job that didn't put me in an environment where I was around good-looking women. I, I'm not. I'm by myself on the road, you know. So, well, you you
2: stayed out of some of those situations where you would have found it, but
1: yes, yeah, but but, I, but I, that I, was a deliberate thing.
0: Yeah. The other the other thing you mentioned, and I think this is where a lot of parents make mistakes. You said in order, in order to be a good dad, you first need to be a good husband. And so many families we see today become kid-centric, where everything revolves around the kids and the kids' activities to the point where mom and dad are going in different directions. But I think what you said was, hey, if you want to be a good dad, be a good husband first. I love, I love that you you never stop learning. Like you're, you're continuing to learn and to grow and to develop and you're obviously very observant because a lot of your jokes come from just observing everyday life, but you've also gained so much wisdom through watching other people.
1: You know, I and I think about where, where it talks about finishing the race set before you. And I, and I imagine like in the Olympics, you know, when they run that marathon, but they come into that stadium. and oh, And side. so I think about finishing strong. Like I said to my wife a couple of days ago, I said, I want to, die well I never even thought about dying before but it's like I want to die well I want whenever that time comes but I think about that runner running into the stadium and sitting in the stands it's my mom and my dad and my aunts and my uncles and people that went before me and you come in the stadium and they stand up and start clapping and just like man finish strong finish well if there's if there's something I can tell him to help him be a better dad or better husband That's awesome. That's that's awesome. If if you and I can sit there and talk and there's something you can tell me how to be a better friend or whatever, it's because it is all relationships. You find at the end of the day, I'm I've sold more comedy records than anybody in history. I could care less. I've I've met five presidents, I've been performed to the white, I could care less. Made more money than I ever thought I would make in my life. And is that nice? Yes, it makes life easier. But I could care less how much money's sitting in the bank. What I care about is my wife and my kids and my grandkids and my friends and my parents. That's all that matters. It is all relationship. The most important things in life are not things. It's relationship. Relationship with your God. Relationship with your community. Relationship with your family and friends.
0: Amen. I got chills when you were talking about running into the stadium, uh, and I was picturing the prodigal son story. Uh, and when you come running home into heaven, and you're going to come into that into see, that this stadium, makes, this
1: makes my nose burn, man.
0: God the Father is going to be waiting on you at the finish line. He's going to uh, have his arms opened up, and all your friends and family who are already in heaven are going to be cheering you on, and he's he's going to say, "Welcome home." And he's going to put his arms around you. He's going to give you the family robe, the family ring, the the eternal sandals. You're going to have a new glorified body. What a picture.
1: What what a picture.